0: Warning. Explicit
1: content. Listen to disc-
0: Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke with Nate Laban. Um, Nate is the singer and one of the guitarists in the band Sam Hill. And Nate was also known as uh, he was the front man of the band Brickhouse, amongst many other things that he's done in his life. Uh, we had a really great... Uh, really great conversation in his barn slash studio outside his house um he made me some tea and you know we had a really awesome conversation and uh really enjoyed it so uh hope you guys do too This is Nate Laban. Um, Well, it's funny. Like, I mean, I know a few people who who do have tempers that... Or so they've told me they have tempers. But I never see it. And then, you know, everyone... But it's the same thing. It's like, especially with artistic, other artistic people, if I commission or try and collaborate with someone, I'm with the understanding that this person might be trying to make their living or part of their living doing this. So I don't want to waste yeah. someone's fucking
1: time. Oh, sure. No, you know? They, you, you know, there's a, there's a consideration that has to be there for, you know, for not only the person, but the person, whoever's surrounding the person. Right. Yeah. If you don't have my money, you don't have my family's money. Right. Like that's, I, I start, I start turning into an Italian gangster. Right. time Like somebody owes me money because I'm just like, that's my family's money. Right. Because I don't give a fuck about my money. Right. You know, right, or anything like that. I mean, I I manage it. But I do that for my family, right, you know right. Mean?
0: So yeah, it's one of those things that I mean, I had an experience with a a, a local creative type, and I and I won't. Uh, he'll remain nameless because he's gotten himself into some trouble recently. Um, you know, making making threats to. A, a local musician, so anyone who's listening to this probably knows about it, but, uh, yeah. like, the police got involved, but, um, you know, he he wanted me to, he reached out to me to illustrate, wanted me to illustrate a comic for him. And mm-hmm. I had I, never done that before, and I'm, to a degree, I'm open to try new things, but I'm also, I, ch- like, especially in the last couple of years, I challenged myself a lot artistically so what's that in life you challenge oh yeah in life too but i really admire that about you. well thanks i um well a lot of that is a direct reaction to i lived kind of governed by fear for like you know most of my life and worried about the whole should thing i mean you know someone said to me a couple months ago you know the most negative word in the english language is should because people say, well, I should do this. You know, people mm-hmm. think I should do... And, like, because should is all about somebody else's expectations of you. Like, you should be doing stuff that you want to do or know you need to do. Like, mm-hmm. not because somebody else says you should do this. But anyway, I, I told him, I, I was up front, and I said, you know, I've never done this before, but I've thought about doing a comic, and this would be a good experience for me to try it. I said, however... I don't want to waste your time, Mm -hmm. and I also don't want to waste my time. I said, let me try five pages. I said, you know, he gave me the script. I said, I'll give it a try. If it's not for me, I'll be upfront about it. I said, but also, if I give it to you, and it's something that I've worked my ass off for, but it's not what you're looking for, you need to tell me that, because I'm not going to work my ass off for three, four, five months, do this whole project. And then, have, cause it was all, there was no money up front. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, and, and it was an intense thing, but it wasn't, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it wasn't something that I was, um, it wasn't something that I was good at. And the more I tried at it, um, the more frustrated I became and, yeah. and it's funny because if I think about it now and if because this was probably 18 months ago if I tried it now and if it was a different script um I might challenge myself more to do it but it was one of those things you know I you know because I updated him a couple times I'm like I've tried this and I'm not happy I'm going to try it another way just to let you know I haven't forgot, you know, because it was several weeks, but you know, and I also work really well with deadlines. And I said, give me a deadline. He's like, no deadline, whenever. And I was like, no, no, no. I give need it. one. Yeah. 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 So he's like, all right, how about, you know, whatever date? And so when that date came, I was like, Look, this is how many hours I've worked on it. I'm not happy with it at all. I've got a few things, but I'm not even gonna bother showing them to you. Cause it was really rough sketches and stuff like that and just the aspect of like laying it out and like getting the perspective on yeah every single like not only the panels how they're supposed to flow and everything but just a visual perspective on each particular panel and leaving room for dialogue and i was just like this is this is a lot to jump into
1: oh sure but i mean do you think that it has more to do with the way that you're actually looking at a story as opposed to an image. Like in your in your work, your images tell stories. Right. And then like so now you have a story that needs an image. It, it, I think that was part of it. And yeah, I it's think A C D C
0: Yeah. I think also because it wasn't my story and it was his story. It was a, it was an autobiographical thing. Yeah uh, that's tough too. But he was also um, so he's a he's a vet. And it was his, uh, you probably know who I'm talking about. Um, but, and he, you know, he had had, um, he had a traumatic brain injury while he was serving
1: Yeah,
0: and he wanted to recount his story, which I admire, but it was one of those things that I was like, this is not my story and I'm not passionate about it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, I bet you, you could, if you looked, I bet you, you could find another veteran who was an artist who might have something of themselves to put in it. Yeah. And it was basically like, fuck you, thanks for wasting my time. And I'm like, this is the conversation we had (laughs) two months ago. And, you know, and it was... And and I've seen him interact with other people as well. And, you know, he's an angry guy. Um, And, again, he is disabled, uh, but I feel like... He uses the traumatic brain because he'll whenever someone calls him on his bullshit, he goes, Hey, look, I don't think you understand I have a traumatic brain injury. And I'm like, if you're using that as a reason for that, then that's not affecting that. At least my understanding of how that works.
1: Well, this is this is this is a kind of a symptom of a very larger problem with mm. our country. Yeah. And that is that you have carte blanche if you're in the military. Right. And to a certain degree, I subscribe to and obviously, I'm appreciative of veterans sure. in their service. Sure. appreciative of police officers in their service. Unless First responders. Unless, right. Sure, unless they're pigs. Right. You know, because there are people in the military that are fantastic. They make a, a, uh, their self-sacrifice is unbelievable. But then you have, uh, there's also assholes everywhere you go. And sure. in every group that you go to. And so it doesn't give you carte blanche to be an asshole just because you, you served your country. Right. You know what I mean? And there has to be a check there to be like, you're an asshole. Now I've heard, I don't even know this guy. I've heard of stories about him. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, it sounds to me like he's just being an asshole. There's also things that co- go on with musicians and artists, which I've found. There are creepers yeah. that come in. They come in, they'll make friends with you on social media. Uh, they'll start sending you like clips of them. They'll kind of want to get a little bit more personal with you. Right. And that's not to say that, I mean, shit, man, I've been around here my whole life. I haven't really gone anywhere. Right. I'm not successful in to anybody else. Right. for myself and, uh, you know, but that's, that stuff still happens for even since the time when I was, you know, really young, we'd have people call, we'd have girls call the house and say, you know, like, Hey, I slept with your husband. Stuff like that. So I was like, boom, I got to be unlisted. Right. That was the old days. Right. But now it's, I mean, it happens, you know, and you get people, for some reason, um, you know, the more manic I think a person is, the more, uh, the less boundaries there are for them, the more apt, they're more apt to get in touch. Sure. You know, they'll be like, I can just talk to him. He knows me anyway. I've heard the song or whatever. Right. It's just like. And it can be really inappropriate so that's where I've had to learn how to just kind of be direct sure you're just like no you don't you know come by my house right well and it's interesting because in the last
0: in the last decade but certainly the last five years I think social media has has made you know you know artists actors musicians more accessible to people and I think that like you're saying the people that don't have the right respect for boundaries mm-hmm. like oh well i can get a hold of this person so you know why shouldn't i be able to yeah. do x y and z um it's funny because coming up the, the stairs um you've got the the pussifer poster mm-hmm. uh, and because uh, i lived in jerome where where maynard lives and, and so did my wife yeah oh really she yep. lived in
1: jerome did yep. did i know that did, no i don't, I don't know if you you huh. it's it's i hear about jerome from you i hear about it from jay yeah uh, our drummer. Why? Then, does he live in Jerome? No, he's been there though. Oh, okay. And he lived. He lived in Phoenix for
0: yeah. a while. Yeah, um, but it was funny because I didn't really have a good, like, I didn't really understand what fanatics were like. I mean, you know, you'd heard heard stuff growing up about like the Beatles being mobbed and stuff like that, but it wasn't like a tangible thing. And then running the record store in Jerome, there were people who were mentally ill. Like I'm not I'm not making a joke. You know, yeah. he would come in and you know a couple of people were like you gotta take me to his house and I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. And you know, there was a couple of times where <laughs> I had to call the local PD and have them come remove people. Um I'm like, first of all, I don't socialize with him. Like yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like him and I are buddies and I'll be like, hey you know, someone came by in the record store. They wanted me to bring him by, so I just figured. You know, it's not that type of thing at all. I mean, he lives in a tiny town in Arizona to have his privacy. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things that, like, I was like, "Oh, wow, this is I." Now I understand what the. You know, I was like, "That's it's." it's well, I mean, scary. think
1: about to me. There's there's two there's two things that I've observed that are that are very much that have to do with this. Yeah, and one is. When any level of celebrity comes to New Hampshire, yeah. there are there are people falling over themselves to get near that person, right. um, and that's because it's New Hampshire and there's not a lot of people like that. Sure, uh, but then you also have you know the country. Whenever somebody dies who's famous, yeah, and there's the people the outpouring of connection that people have towards that person that they never knew. Yeah, I don't, and uh, that that to me is a phenomenon. You know,
0: uh, it's a weird thing with that because it feels like it's a relatively new, th- like, it's almost like a, like a manic excitement to be the first one to let everyone know that somebody has died because yeah. like, you know, I see that a lot, but it's also, then you have to validate your, your adoration and your connection with that person. Like, Cause I see it all the time now mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things that like, and then, and it was funny because, uh, or not funny, but so when I found out that Chris Cornell died from my brother who lives in Poland, because mm-hmm. I have that WhatsApp, the you know that yeah. uh, you know it's it's free international texting basically, mm-hmm. and it was like three in the morning, and because two of my brothers live in Europe, and then I have a friend who lives in Indonesia, and then I have a friend who lives in Australia, and that's pretty much the only people I talk to with that app. And it makes a specific chime. It doesn't sound like a text. It doesn't sound like anything. And it went off at three in the morning, so I woke up because I was like, "Uh oh, like something's something's up." So I looked at it, and you know, my brother had said, "I feel really strange saying this, but I'm sorry for your loss." And I was like, "What are you? You know, what are you talking about?" And uh, he's like, "Oh, you didn't hear Chris Cornell died." And I was like, "What?" And it was crazy because. the pretty reckless was on tour with them. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Mark there's, or... there's a band that
1: comes to New Hampshire. That's famous.
0: Though. Yeah. Right. But well, and, and two of those, two of the people <coughs> in that band are from New Hampshire. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. I know that. Jamie. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and Mark is a 20 year friend of mine. Um, you know, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, just thinking of you, you know, I was like, I'm, I don't, I don't need anything. Just wanted you to know. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know anything anyways, but thanks. Um, but it was such a weird thing, but then that, and you know, and I was, I was, you know, I, that, that was one of the ones that hit me, but so many people were like reaching out to me that day and I was like, I never met the guy. Like it wasn't like, you know, Oh, that's strange. uh, So so they thought of you as being the, yeah, it was very strange. But then a couple, uh, like when, I don't remember if it was before or after, but when Scott Weiland passed away yeah a bunch of people were like oh man you know all the greats are done and you know and you know not to qu- qualify or anything but i was just like eh, i don't know if it's the same thing and like and i like their music but i'm just like i, yeah. I
1: like it, like it didn't hit me the same way i wasn't like i think social grieving is a young thing i think so and i think that you know more in internal grieving is a maturity thing. Sure, sure. And so, I remember when everybody started dying when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice way to start. Yeah, that, I remember when everybody started dying when right. I was a kid. It's my my memoir. But <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, it was hard, and yeah. I'd want to go out for drinks or something afterwards. You know, just uh, or something we'd go to the coat or whatever. Yeah, and then um, as I you, got older, people were like you're going to go to the coat, you know. You know, so and so's brother died, and I'm like, No, I'm gonna stay home. I I think it's horrible, right? I hope their family's doing okay, yeah. You know, I hope he lived a good life, you know. But I'm not going out and grieving. This is something I might go take a walk out in my field by myself, sure. I might not take any pictures of it, I won't record it, right? I'll just be out there, yeah. You know, maybe breathing, yeah, you know. But that's what I'm doing, you know. There's certain things where. And death to me is extremely personal now, so yeah, you're not going to see a lot of like rest in pieces for me. What? Why do I have to tell other people rest in peace? Right. Like, I, I know how I feel. Sure. Or, I don't know, but I'm also getting introverted and weird, and, mad <laughs> age. and I am less social than I used to be. So it's funny because I'm, uh,
0: like, this season, this winter, I'm deep in hibernation mode, um, uh-huh. which is funny for me because I've always like been someone who's gone out and done a ton of stuff. And, but I'm like deep in like, like, and, and part of it's cause I left my job and you know, this time of year I get, I get, you know, seasonal depression anyways. And sure, I was like, too. I was like, if I'm to go out, my inclination is to spend money and I don't really have a whole lot of discretionary money right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm just staying in where I live and, and, digging deep into the work like you know it's we're you know the first week into february and i've already done almost 60 paintings this year so was that your leap was that your leaping
1: off point was it this year
0: all the way um well i still technically work two days a week when did the fear stop oh it's still there all the time
1: well sure i mean oh you mean like letting that did you when did you have to let something go what
0: age it's probably like Thirty-seven, thirty-eight. where oh, I was okay. just like, yeah. well, I think, and honestly, I, a part of it was, and I've, and I've, you know, I've talked to a couple of people about this. So I moved out to Arizona and started the record store, you know, and that was the my first experience kind of doing shit on my own. Uh, I mean, I was bartending too, but that was like the first time trying to do something creative. I mean, some people would argue that running a record store is not creative, but it was certainly tapping into my love of music sure. and that's really when I started painting more regularly as well because I'd have tons of downtime at the record store so I would yeah. set up and paint yeah. um but I also like I moved out there with a girlfriend and um it didn't work out and you know a great person but I you know we we were definitely not right for each other and I realized I had done a lot of stuff in my life not just with her, but in pretty much all my relationships where I was compromising who I was. I was trying to be someone who I wasn't to make someone else happy. Tell me about it. You know, and I was like,
1: I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, you know. Well, so it's, a, it's interesting. And kind of the reason I was asking that was because I have a similar story. Yeah. Although it's a little weirder. But the uh, at the same time, it's the same reasoning. Yeah. I changed myself for somebody. I got married when I was 22. Yeah. To another woman.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, she, uh, I was married for eight years, and then uh, found out she had lied to me about her whole past oh. and her name and everything right. else. So I really didn't know who she was. Yeah, and I was afraid of her because she was obviously abusive, right? And mentally. Yeah, and uh, then she stalked me for about eight years and stuff. But it ended with the FBI. Really? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, really. Wow. So, um, so. I was controlled by fear yeah. until I was 30 years old and I left and I, and I literally had to get the hell out of there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and from that point on in my life, I decided I was going to do what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't necessarily care. Yeah. And that was kind of the first step was the first step of breaking that fear was that. Yeah. And then the second step of it was You know, career-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then maybe taking the leap into my own business a few years ago. But it's a, it, it's, it's a powerful thing to have happen to someone. And when you meet somebody that's kind of broken through it, yeah, you find that you have a lot more things in common with. Sure, you know, and there's this, there's, an incredibly beautiful sense of empathy about you. Yeah, and I I love that about you that you're you're gonna hear me kiss your ass a lot but you But it's like watching you or observing you socially whatever and stuff i'm just like man that guy's great and the first time i met you i probably met you years ago mm-hmm. but the first time i remember meeting you was helping you bringing the pa speakers uh for your comedy good oh, okay. at the at the coffee stop there oh you're nice, nice. And uh Oh at uh, at Crack Skulls in Newmarket. Yeah. So that
0: was God, probably four and a half years ago, something like that. And
1: I got to see your comedy. Yeah. And it and it was so funny. <laughs> and I love I love comedy. It's I have funny. since I was a little kid. It's funny because that was
0: sort of towards the end of when I started doing comedy. Although I mean some people would argue I still I mean, I basically have a once a week release of that with one of my other podcasts uh the real fake news podcast um but it was part of it was because it's a lot of it seemed like off the cuff but I would I would actually spend a lot of time like putting a set together and you know being a creative person yourself I mean you know you only have so much fuel in the tank so Mm -hmm. you can only put your all into so many things sure yeah and as my you know painting and drawing Became more something that I was passionate about. I became less passionate about con- Not to say I don't like it, but it was like not only, I mean, part of it too was I felt to some degree I was a little bit playing a caricature of myself. Mm-hmm. Like I had kind of outgrown a lot of that yeah. persona. Like, I mean, it's still part of me, but it's less an important part of me than it was,
1: you know, when I started doing it. Doesn't it doesn't define who you are. Right. And you have to do things that interest you. Yeah. So if you're doing something that doesn't interest you, then that's that's bullshit. You just got to move on.
0: Right, which is, it's funny because every once in a while someone would be like, when are you going to do more comedy? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not saying I'll never do it again, but right now I have very little interest in doing it. It's funny, though, because my partner from the other podcast really wants to try stand-up. And he's a genuinely really funny guy. I mean, he's the one who approached me to do the podcast with him, so... I said to our producer, I said, if Gary commits to doing something, you know, I'll, I'll go out and do something with him. Because I said, you know, it might be fun a year or two down the road to go out for a week and do some comedy gigs and stuff like that yeah. and help grow the podcast, too. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows? But, you know, uh, I haven't written anything comedy-wise in
1: probably two years. Yeah. Um, and you know the amount of work that goes into it. Right. Yeah, and I've seen the crazy amount of work from other comedians yeah. and whatnot that goes into it. Yeah, you know, and the shoeboxes full of jokes and yeah, everything else that goes with it. Yeah, you know? but the way the way that you delivered it was it was very plain spoken. It was, it was easy connect. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, it's just I was like, oh my gosh, wow, this it just it got me totally riled up about it, <laughs> about you. I was like, man, this guy's talented. That's funny. It's yeah, it's funny too because like, um.
0: I try and be, I don't know, like I try and be kind and empathetic. And for a long time, I was like embarrassed about that part of my personality, like Mm -hmm. part of being insecure in your twenties and thirties and like Mm -hmm. wanting to be cool. And I was just like, cool is fucking dumb.
1: Yeah, it is. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And it's exhausting.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, Because, you know, you you, you can't, you're never going to be able to keep up with what's cool now and fool people. And I'm just like, Oh, no. You know, I got to the point where I was like, fuck it, I like the stuff I like. And, and and also, at some point in my age, I'm like, being kind and genuine to other people is much cooler than trying to impress people. And what and, and, you also, if you're being genuine, you're going to attract... Other genuine people to you. Oh sure. So
1: yeah, and it's a little bit more of a rarer thing to find somebody like yourself. Yeah, that is a kind. That's that's working on being kind, and you know, that's like that is conscious of it. Yeah, you know, and conscious of being, conscious of what's going on in the present moment. Yeah, it's hard to find people like that, but at the same time, it's it's worth it. Oh, for sure. When I started playing music, I was seventeen or so, and we would. uh, I mean, I would I'd go out to open mics and. I'd only do originals. Mm-hmm. I'd only do, like, songs that, you know, they usually had some biting, some sarcasm in there, maybe some swearing. Right. But there was always, there's always, like, I'm going to sing to smart people. Right. And then the other people can literally, like, I don't care what they do. Right. But th- this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to keep doing this. And then I just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. That, that was pre- I never did covers. That was pre-Brickhouse, right? Yeah, yeah. before Brickhouse. know, yeah. I was... A, I, was, I I hosted the open mic at the Elvis Room oh, okay. for about a year and a half, and so um, you know we I play there a lot. I would kind of support other people that were doing that same thing, original music. You know, we'd have the the girl that came in and did Bridge Over Troubled Water every single week, right? And stuff, which was which was hard. But I mean, we had uh, we had Elliot Smith come by one night. We had uh, um and do the open mic. You
0: know? Yeah, we played a. We played a gig with Elliot Smith at the Elvis Room. Uh, my my old band with Hank. Hank? That's... Yeah, um, I don't remember if Cam was still in the band at that point or not because yeah. Cam was. We got another bass player uh, after Cam, and it was funny too. I was talking to someone recently uh, because Cam and I butted heads in that band, and but you know we're going back twenty years now, and I was yeah. like, I was like, if you had talked to me in like. 94 95 and said you know uh in 20 years 20 plus years the guy in this band that you're not only gonna keep in touch with on a regular basis but get excited to see out and like enjoy what he was doing would be cam i'd be like yeah. no fucking way <laughs> um i mean john the guitar player i grew up with i
1: yeah.
0: it's been 15 years since i've seen him i mean, we oh exchange messages on social media but that's about it and the drummer we haven't talked in 10 years i mean he lives in new york and you know he he works for vh1 or something like that i mean he's a busy Um, guy yeah but um it's just funny how a lot of
1: shit changes and you grow up and you know oh yeah i've been playing with cam for i think we were trying to figure it out but it might be more like 17 years yeah yeah or something like that that we've been in various bands together because you were continuously because the frosting yeah. was you as well right yep yeah yeah it was shuttlecock yeah and it was the frosting um and uh, uh for a long time it was just that yeah and then you know all of then kind of sam hill kind of started because jay came back from arizona yeah and uh we tried to do some of my stuff but like in a pop punk way right it wasn't very good yeah and then we were like we were starting to listen to different music here in the barn and I was like, man, I love that music. Let's just try and do something like that. And yeah. Jay was all about it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so Jay is actually the one who kind of ste- steered the band in the direction. And, hmm. and then I was like, holy shit, I don't have to sing about with this band. I don't have to sing about me. Right. At all. And that's all I'd been doing. Right. I had this, I had this like mission in mind since I was 15 and was listening to Jane's Addiction that saved my life right. from growing up in Rochester, you know, around a bunch of ACDC listening to Rednecks. Right. You know, which and just a terrible cultural island. It was, you know, you're, you're completely disconnected from everything. We had to order skateboards through the magazines. Yeah. It was a different, completely different thing than growing up on the seacoast. Yeah. And after getting out of Rochester, you know, just like, uh, I'm just this genuine guy from rochester i'm a dishwasher going to portsmouth i meet all these other dishwashers and people that love punk rock music and they know who the descendants are and i'm like oh my god somebody yeah, yeah. Knows who the descendants are you know and i'm like wow and yeah i heard about this thing this magazine and it, i still just feel like a noob yeah like around all of them you yeah know, they're all listening to like this east coast punk rock yeah that's all like people doing drugs and i'm just like yeah, Milo's pretty awesome. Drinks <laughs> a lot of coffee, like right. tells you to go to college. Right. You know, that's that's who I, I want to be a smart punk. Right. right? You know, right. And to me, a smart punk dressed however they wanted, did whatever they wanted. Yeah. You know, looked however they were gonna look. And I've always not wanted to s- stick out. I've always just kind of been like, Yeah, I don't you know, I stick out enough on this big, tall, right, you know, goofy guy. Yeah. And um I've never wanted to just stick out and we would go to Portsmouth and everybody had the, the right clothes to be punk right and I didn't know what the clothes were to be sure punk, you, know? Uh, you know and you know and I think that there's just this like lost I don't know there's there's this lost part of myself that uh, you know that uh, I've never really found you know in, in, in clothes or uh, things per se yeah or being cool. My kind of cool is a spazzy kind of cool, right. I, I, To me, what well, was I interesting, guess. I noticed when you guys were playing at the Noise Floor a couple of
0: weeks ago. Um, you know, I was watching you guys play, and because your band Sam Hill is a pretty, you know, it's a pretty heavy rock band, you know, metal, hard rock, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I was, because you know, you had a, you, you know, you had a. Like a checkered button-up shirt on, if I'm remembering correctly, um, maybe a flannel shirt. It might have been a flannel Probably. shirt, but you had, you know, you, you know, you're yeah, it was, it's cold in there, and you know, you have your 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 glasses on, and you're you're a pretty, you know, clean-cut guy, but and you're pretty tall too. Um, what are you? 6'4"? Six, 6'3". Six, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, playing your Gretsch, and I was like, I was like, you know, if you just, if I were to take a picture. It shows somebody and be like, what kind of music is this guy playing right now? Yeah. I was like, it wouldn't necessarily fit this, but I'm like, that's pretty punk rock right there. I was like, because I mean, one of my earliest impressions of you remember the band Helmet, right? Oh sure, yeah. Because they're a pretty heavy band, mm-hmm. um, even though Paige Hamilton's a, a he he's got his master's degree in jazz guitar. Mm. Um but they were always when they came out in the nineties when everyone was, you know, grunged up. They were all clean cut, had, yeah. you know, nice haircuts, clean shape. Like, they looked like the track team, you know? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, you you don't have to play the designated part for whatever. you can You can do that? I was like, that's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, and I was, so I've always been kind of a fan of people who
1: just do what they, what they do don't let smart people don't need a genre to listen to music right you know and it it really does go back to who you're playing to yeah you know you're playing are you playing are you treating the audience like they're smart right or are you putting up on on an outfit you know maybe it's one of the i call them snap-on shows because you know the whole band snaps on an outfit right and then the, the audience is like Oh man, we just have to get an outfit together, and then we can go to the show. Right? You know, and that that counts for like your yeah. old school punk, you know, Converse black leather jacket. Right. That's your Rockabilly swing deal. That's your, you know, a lot of the deals. You know, now it's a lot more diverse. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Like we just played a show this last weekend, Brickhouse, and it, uh, the audience was just about as diverse as you could come. Sure. And still, we get like younger people in their younger in their twenties that are like. I like what you're doing. I don't. It's sludge. It's psychedelic. Yeah. I don't know. And they're throwing all the terms at me that I don't even know. Yeah, really. I'm just playing this music that feels really good to play. It feels. I feel really. I'm taking the local stuff. I'm processing it, and I'm making some, somewhat making uh, legends or uh, stories up about this area sure you know and about the things that have happened to me yeah you know there's a song called serpents on the the first record and it's about the salmon falls river that ran behind my house in rochester I grew up and um there are three kids that died when i was five or six years old and they um it was a terrible accident but uh i was uh sledding with them uh, down the back of my hill, the river was back there and they're trying to go for it go towards the river. And I said, don't go back there. We're not supposed to go back there like that. And they sent me off to their parents' house to, uh, tell them, tell their parents that they were over my house. And when I came back, they were gone. So I just walked back into my house. Shit. And one brother went in after the other, went after the other, went after the other. Wow. And they went down the river and, and died. Wow. And, uh, there was a woman that lived next to my house who people considered a witch. Yeah. Uh, Irish witch, That I guess. And uh, she was telling... The neighborhood went crazy that night. I lived in a little circle neighborhood. Yeah. everyone went crazy looking up and down the river, a couple people finding the boys. And this woman uh, was just screaming in the street about how the river was cursed hmm. and how this this is what we get... Some sort of Native American, this or that. Right. And stuff. So the serpents in the song are the things that come and take the kids. Right. And whatnot. But there's just, like, it could almost, you could almost build a legend around this. But I I realized when I was writing that song, I was like, cool, this band's great. I don't have to write anything about myself. I don't have to, nothing about me, no emotions, no nothing. And then come to realize after I write the song and I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is what this is about. It's There's, actually a very personal thing. It's but. extremely personal. It yeah. affected me for a very long time. Sure. And I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, but somehow I'm finding some sort of an outlet through science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. Writing. Uh, in the band, and I don't ever want to leave it. Yeah. And I love doing it. Yeah. And it's just wicked fun. Sure. I, I mean, it's painting. It's painting these pictures. It's yeah. Painting, it's painting the friends that I've <laughs> Right. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It, that it, it's uh it's it's comfortable for me but it's also you know to put some local spins on everything is, is really sure good. sure um, yeah
0: somebody uh, I was at the that show on last Friday um, somebody commented about they like they're like a science fiction fantasy metal band and I was like well kind of but like I mean a lot of your songs are definitely about that but yeah it's it does I think people have a sort of connection with it because it's not necessarily at face value you know personal stuff but you know you are putting something personal in as well so you know I mean it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a gimmick it it just feels like this is shit, shit
1: that's awesome and I want to sing about it so. yeah I've never been in a I mean I've never been in a band where I didn't just you know sing about myself right or whatever right. I just put down I mean when I first started I thought I had to be I thought I had to be so literal and so honest. And that's what I hated seeing was I go out and nobody was honest about anything. Yeah. Or they were hiding behind these like long drawn out metaphors in their songs and I'm just like, Just say you love her. Like or just like, you know and and to be able to make that switch from writing so personally and really now that I look back on it, pretty narcissistically, right? <laughs> and, right? You know, to make that switch over to being somebody who can write about science fiction when I'm not a fiction reader, I'm yeah. not a. I guess yeah, I'm just not a fiction reader. Yeah, I like non-fiction books. So I like most of what I read is non-fiction too. Yeah, autobiograph a- autobiographies and um, travel travel logs, probably.
0: Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I think I I don't spend a lot of time reading reading anymore i listen to a lot of audiobooks i mean especially because i've spent a lot of time in my car and i think i have like six autobiographies and then john steinbeck's uh travels with charlie uh, Mm -hmm. because somebody recommended that to me while i was on my trip and i'm you know because i have like six books going at once like every day i'm like all right i'm gonna listen to this for an hour and then the next day i'd go to the next book so it would take about a week before i'd get back into it but um and it's interesting uh because John Steinbeck did a very similar trip to what I did with his dog yeah. you know 60 years ago but uh yeah it's uh i i don't i don't do that much fiction i mean i've read a ton of fiction as a kid but yeah um it's weird because i used to read a lot and now when i find myself sitting down with a book mm-hmm. i get to just like my mind wanders sure um and also and I'm sure there are, you know, people who are big fans of reading that are going to listen to this and be like, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. But I'm like, there's so much to do during the day that I'm like, I always feel like I'm not wasting time, but I'm like, I could be doing X, Y, and Z while I'm reading. Like, that's what I think about while I'm reading. But yeah, I can listen to a book while I'm painting and have it and take it in. Sure. Um, but, but if you're reading a book, you know, your, your hands and eyes are engaged with that. That's, that's your one thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I I am primarily a fan of autobiographies read by the authors. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan when somebody else... That, that's the thing. I'm slogging through Maynard's autobiography, <laughs> but he doesn't read it. It's, yeah. And it's one of those... I mean, he chimes <clears throat> in like every 10 minutes for about a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. But I was like, ah, man, all right. Um, and the woman who reads it isn't the woman who co-wrote it with him either. It's just someone they hired to read it, so it's weird. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. Here's one of the most personal things I've ever put into the public's hands. What's that? Could you read this for me?
0: Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? How did that yeah.
1: I think
0: yeah. it's... I mean, it could just be a simple fact of he didn't want to take the time to... I mean, because he is doing a million things, too. You know, he's got mm-hmm. three bands. He's got his wine. You know, he does jujitsu. He does a bunch of other stuff. So, who knows? Uh and it was one of those things when he wrote the autobiography, I mean he's a co-author on it. I mean most of those I think really are, but most of the time they have a ghost writer where he was it was I guess a childhood friend who is a renowned writer now. Yeah. he approached her and was like, "Here, take these stories and turn them into a narrative that makes sense." Mm-hmm. so um, it was interesting you're talking about you know changing your your way of. Approaching writing, I'm doing a uh, recording project right now for the RPM Challenge, nice. and trying to write lyrics in it. because I'm I was very personal, like confessional, in yeah. all my lyrics, and I'm trying to approach it from a completely almost like abstract way. Like I had different stuff I wanted to write about, and it's not not personal to me at all. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it is, but it's not here's my story that i'm putting out there it's just, you know and oh sure it's
1: something you saw that, that like struck a chord with you right and so therefore you it's it's important to express it yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. um but
0: it's but it's it's weird because my instinct when i'm writing lyrics is to do one thing so i i kept like i've caught myself and be like no it doesn't have to go down that road you
1: can you yeah, can sure. look at it from this you know angle instead so oh i'm just i'm constantly telling myself to just just scribble it out yeah just scribble it out yeah so throw it away go go burn it in the yard yeah literally go walk out the door and just lit, light it on fire and put it in the put it in the grass yeah and let it watch it blow away yeah you know why because you can do it again right you've been doing hundreds of these for years Yeah. you know what yeah. i mean i'm like for every genre yeah. You know, almost. Yeah. The dance record's coming, but...
0: That's, but uh, that's actually what I'm working on right now. It's no, a very really synth-heavy,
1: untim- like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I just got this whole new setup for that. Yeah. So that's all going to be electronic. I want to do some electronic stuff, so. Well, and I
0: had... I had that in the back of my brain, that that's something... Like, I wanted to try something different, but also, there's a lot of electronic music that I really love... Mm-hmm um and i was like i'd like to do so and it and i'm working with a guy uh, who i've worked with in the past uh in different ways and um mm-hmm. he was someone that i knew that like i have a shorthand with so i was like this is what i want to do um you know and he works for the city of portsmouth so he had limited time and he's like well i don't have time to get together and rehearse and i'm like it's fine i yeah. was like <laughs> let me just i'll throw some broad emotions and kind of like sonic colors at you and you throw stuff back at me and you know yeah that's and how you do it yeah yeah and it's 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 been interesting because it's not how i would do it by myself which is exactly what i want and i'm like it's a true collaboration yeah and it's not coming out how i hear it in my head it's coming out better
1: yeah so you know no sure and yeah. you know in, with collaboration one of the most important things you can say is i don't like that yeah you know and you know Eric Ott, pretty much one of my best friends. Yeah, he's uh, he's taught me everything about that, and I didn't know anything about that before I met him. Yeah, I didn't know anything about collaborating with anybody else. Yeah, when I met him, when I met him, it was kind of like an island colliding with another island. Yeah, he had his island that he had built up with his writing. Yeah, and his songs, and the things, and the way he approaches things, and I had mine, and I. I'd never done that with anybody, but he was so easy to work with, obviously, you know Eric. Yeah. He's just so nice, and we, uh, he taught me how to do that with other people, so then we were doing that together with a band with bearing the Elephant. Yeah. For a while. Which was what, two years ago you did Yeah, that? a few years ago. Um, yeah, we put out one record, and then, uh, that was, that was it, it for that band, because I was doing two things, and they needed to put my efforts into one. Yeah. And, uh, it was I was really spread thin then. But uh, he taught me how to, to bring that communication into our band yeah, as well. And it's made it... It's really cool the way things work now. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jay... Everybody in the band, and even Russ, our new guitar player, he's he adds stuff. Everybody adds stuff. And I know how to communicate... Before, I wouldn't know how to communicate with you about how to write. Right. But, you know, when I write by myself, I... I have the ability to sit down with the guitar and try 32 different things within two minutes. Yeah, you can't do that with other people. Right. You know what I mean? You can't be like, just keep playing it, but then just play it different, and then right. play it different, play right. it different, and because I'm a tenacious son of a bitch, right? I'll just I'll just do it for eight hours until the goddamn song gets done. <laughs> you know, and uh, but but Eric taught me how to actually talk with these guys and be like, uh, be like, no, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And you know, and before I might have just been like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine, whatever, yeah, that's yeah. great, yeah, yeah, it sounds, yeah, sounds like this, sounds like that." Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah, it's a powerful thing to learn how to collaborate with somebody. Sure. Yeah, and uh, and it uh, it kind of takes takes a little more of the ego out of what you're creating. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. and and gets you kind of down to brass tacks, like, okay, well, what were those colors that I suggested? Why did I suggest those colors? Like you're you're examining your your contribution. Right. It's important. You have to you have to justify it a little bit more because there's sure. somebody else. And you asked. chose somebody you respected. Right. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. If you don't have any respect for somebody you can't collaborate with. Yeah. Them. You know, and if they don't have any respect for you, you can't collaborate with them. Yeah. You know? Um, that that's a really hard thing. It's really hard to find other people to play with when you you know, if you're playing with people that you don't necessarily respect you. Can't, right. It's not going to last very long. Yeah. But we've all come up together, you know, Cam and Jay and I anyway, and Russ is of the same ilk. Right. You know, and we're all, we all grew up working hard in the kitchens and whatnot. No, you know, we, we, we all still work hard. Yeah. You know, with the exception of me, I guess I don't work hard anymore, but I, uh, Well, you work for yourself. Yeah. I work for myself. Yeah. But, um, and I, I mean, I do put the pedal down when I need to. I, I just, you know, I'm not running dishes anymore, burning my hands, right. sticking my arm down, with grease traps, and you know, scrubbing out fry laters. Right. But, uh, I still think about it every day. Like that was 20 years ago with me. Yeah. And I'm still like, well, I better get on this because if I don't do this, I'm scrubbing fry laters tomorrow. It's, you know, it's funny that you talk about that. Cause I'm actually like,
0: I, I want to find a, like a dishwashing job? Oh like, no,
1: that, I I do not mean to say that I do not like washing dishes. Right, right. On the contrary, <laughs> I will wash dishes. Yeah, anywhere in this area. Yeah, and I would probably take a few of those freaking kids to task right now. Yeah, with a with a you know, give me a new pit. We'll make a new system. Right, and we'll and we'll fix the dishwasher while I'm there. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was uh <laughs> there's something very you know not to use a term that's overused all the time, but there's something very zen about doing dishes in an, in a busy kitchen, um, that I really like and it helps me focus. Um, not so much focus on the dishes, but focus on creative. Like it gives me the time to like, once I figure out a system, I can do it, but then my mind is kind of free to focus on other stuff, you know, kind of do a lot of the mental legwork for yep. creative projects at the same time so that I'm like, okay, I got out of work. Now I'm ready to tackle this painting because I've plotted the whole thing out in
1: my head. Um, sure. Well, you're in a pit yeah. you're looking, usually there's a clock within within distance of looking. Right. And you can see that that time, I'm getting paid for all that time and I've got my system down. Okay, I've taken care of the work. Right. So now it's, it's you know, scrubbing with a brush here, keeping right. things clean. But you're making money that whole time. You right. have so much time to think about other things, and everybody, nobody cares if you're fucking crazy. If you're yeah. the dishwasher, right, you're sitting there fucking la 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 la. la. You know they keep sort the of make up songs. Yeah, yeah. I went back to dishwashing when I was 28 uh, years old, and uh, I was putting my first wife through law school. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. And uh, if she's crazy, don't do that. <laughs> um, but uh I would. I was working an office job, 40 hours a week. Yeah. And I, was, I decided to take on a dishwashing job for, like, another 20 hours a week so I can make some extra money to pay for her school while she didn't work. Right. And this was crazy, and a crazy alcoholic. And so, um, you know, that, there was a lot of fear there as well. Right, okay, this sure. Is returning back to fear. I was right. immensely afraid of her. And uh, so, but doing that dishwashing job, I went in and it was like I filled out my application. It's like last position held in a kitchen. I was like, sous chef. Yeah. Like that's that's was my last position. Yeah. And uh so uh they're like, you sure you don't want to do Garmage you don't want to do a little prep work? I'm like, yeah. nope, just dishes, thanks. I yeah. come in every day with tapes, treats for everybody, and I was working 40 hours a week in an office. Yeah. But I loved going to my dishwashing job. You know, and then you'd have shift drinks. I missed that. I missed like everybody giving each other crap. But, you know, like it was the front of the house, making fun of the back of the right. house. in Very descriptive, vulgar ways. Oh, yeah. Like those are my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I grew up doing. Sure. I started working in kitchens when I was 11. My mom was a bartender. Yeah. And uh, learned to cook when I was 14. And, and that's who I connect with. Right. right. And. Whenever there's a little bit of that in somebody, I can usually see it pretty quickly. Sure, sure. You know, and I have a easier time relating with them. Yeah. Let alone making music with them. Right. You know. <laughs> I had a, um, it was funny because I, I did dishes
0: at a restaurant in Jerome for about a year. Um, and I loved it. And then it was funny because the owner took me aside one day and she said, I got to talk to you. I said, okay. She goes, um, a lot of times when I'm looking for my servers out on the floor, helping tables, I can't find them. And inevitably, I come back into the kitchen and they're back there talking to you. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, should I? She's like, no. She's like, clearly, you're, I'm not utilizing you in the best way. I need you up front. Oh. So she ended up having me bartend, yeah. uh, which it's funny because I actually, I think, the actual work, I enjoyed the dishwashing better, yeah. but, you know, the, the the trip that I did last fall, at least half a dozen of the people that I stayed with on my trip, I met while I was a bartender out front and, you know, struck up conversations which turned into friendships, which turned into relationships that, sure. you know, that has now transcended the years. I mean, because I, I ended up, you know, after, after a couple of months doing that. And they had a, a jazz quartet that would play every uh, Friday and Saturday. And, you know, they had a standing gig for a while. And, you know, they were fine, but it was, you know, it was chamber jazz. And I yeah. said to the owner, I said, what if we get other music in here? And she's like, well, I don't know. any." I was like, I'll, you know, I can get people in here. And I was like, yeah. she's like, well, I don't know about this. I was like, give me two months. Look at the numbers. If it goes up. Yeah, You let me keep doing it, and if not, you know, whatever, because these guys have been doing it for years. And, yeah. you know, I I became persona non grata to these four gentlemen in their 50s, but mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. And then I got, you know, started booking bands, and we started, you know, business started picking up on the weekends. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, most of the people that I had relationships with were people who, that I had booked yeah. there you know what came in as guests at first and then i found out that they were in band a lot of them were from phoenix which is two hours south of yeah. jerome and yeah. then i'd be like do you guys want to play you know and so that was kind of a that was kind of a cool thing too
1: yeah that's yeah. great yeah. well i mean you're you're also probably discovering like i did like all this like all, do you have this thing in you where you can make this business better right and i'm like oh wow i just made all this money for something. Oh, proficient. Maybe I don't need to be in the dish pit. Right, right. You know, yeah. I put myself in the dish pit, is what I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that's just, I don't know. There's something really beautiful about it. I, you know, my friend, my friend, I remember one night, my friend Frank, um, he, what was he in? He was in another punk band, but um, uh, from downtown Portsmouth. And uh, he, he had, was going to the friendly toast and he had woke up drunk he yeah. woke up drunk from the night before and was like i'm late i gotta go i was like you want some help man and he's like yeah so going to the friendly toast and i just frank's just like basically smoking cigarettes on back and i've just got the pit to myself yeah and i'm like oh this feels so good i just let it all out and throwing stuff around and yeah get it a half hour later boom it's clean it's running yeah all the drains are going down yeah it's like oh such a good feeling yeah uh, you know and i worked at Alberta. when that time when i was 28 i worked at anthony alberto's okay. Massimo. yeah best boss in the world by the way really got a bigger bonus from him being a uh, part-time dishwasher than i did from the company i was working at nice time. nice uh for christmas you know and uh and that place was just it was like a family. It felt so welcoming, and he was a, such a wonderful man to work for. Yeah, and the chef was so nice. And um, oh god, I just I love it. I yeah. did, it it's probably the last time I felt absolutely comfortable going into work. Yeah, yeah. The well, besides now, right? Because it's just me. Right. Yeah, so, you got to walk what two hundred feet from your front door to come over yeah, here. Yeah, there's there's really no bitching or complaining. Yeah, that I should I can do. You know, I will say that I did work at one time and I worked hard. Yeah. Now I work, I work hard, but in a different way. And I, I work on the things that interest me most. Sure. And a lot of it is sociological, uh, you know, sociological type stuff. It's a uh, research oriented things that applied mathematics and things that actually interest me, yeah. you know, as opposed to, you know, doing what I have to do to get by. I felt, I feel like I've been surviving my whole life until last month. Really? surviving just getting by making sure i'm doing it you know what happened Uh, last month i just things with the business were going well enough and i started kind of floating a bit yeah i would be you know not not making a lot of money not we're not rich you know but just having enough sure you know for everything yeah and uh and not more than i need you know and I just I've been thinking about it for a couple months, and I'm like, wow, this is the first time that it it hasn't been fighting, yeah, you know, fighting and stress. It's got to be a good feeling. It is, yeah. but it's it's a completely new feeling. Yeah, it's odd. It's all hell. Yeah, uh, it's it feels like something you can't talk about it because you're supposed to be ashamed about it. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to be ashamed now that I mean, oh shit. Yeah, I'm not struggling. But but who I mean.
0: I get that, but who says that you should be ashamed of it? Do you know what I mean? That's it goes back to the whole "should" thing.
1: That, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. Cycled right back around on that.
0: I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I had a couple of people try and talk me out of my road trip that I did, you know, a few months ago. Because they're like, why, "Why would you be doing that? You know, you should do this at this point in your life." And I was like, mm. No, I just got this feeling, and this is what I this is what I need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, I still uh, I'm good. Um, I still no go ahead. Um, I I still I, I haven't gotten to that point where I'm like, oh, I feel comfortable, but I'm also like, I don't have you know, I don't have a family, I don't have a, a wife or kids, so I'm okay with live and lean right now. Sure. Uh, and I'm like, well, it's a choice that I made and I can look, I don't know, like I, I, I'm creating some of the best work that I've made so far in my life in the last like three months. So I'm like, okay, I know
1: that I'm doing what I should be doing. Sure. And you value what you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is like how much you you could get a bunch of money, I guess. I guess if I was younger and I went to college and like yeah. I got out of college and I got a job, yeah. and it was a fantastic job, yeah. which I've actually never heard of anybody doing. But um, <laughs> you know, right off the bat. Yeah. But you know, what would I have spent my money on? Like, right. Probably booze right. and some, you know, soft drugs. Right. And you know, uh, stupid shit that doesn't mean much. Right. And now, my values are all completely different. Yeah the values of a mature person versus a young person are different. Sure. Just like the social value. It's almost, it almost is related to the social values of grieving. Yeah. As we were talking about as well. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't put as much value on objects as I do, as I do these things that bring us together. Sure. You know, like you could come over for a podcast right now, but I could be like, Hey, Scott, I made some more tea. You want to come over? Right. That's the excuse. Right. To do the thing. Yeah. You know, the guitar is the excuse to do the thing with other people. Sure. The motorcycle is a great excuse for... To There's uh, there's a lot of cool people I know that ride motorcycles. Right. I always wanted to kind of have something in common with a cool person. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll start doing that. You know, like... Yeah. So now I get to talk to all these cool people about the cool thing. <laughs> you know, and they don't really know that I'm a spaz. I had, um... <laughs>
0: it's it's different but it's similar i had a, so i'm not a sports guy at all and uh i was talking to my buddy greg who i do my movie podcast with sometimes uh last night and i said you know cuz he's an avid football fan and you know for it was an odd thing for so this past sunday for the first time in probably 20 years i watched the super bowl and he actually didn't he was boycotting it for whatever reason, because he feels the NFL is broken. And, you know, I, I've i heard that from a bunch of people, but I, I, I honestly don't care. Like, not that I don't care about what he thinks. I don't care about the NFL. Like, I don't care about football. But yeah. a friend of mine who I don't get to spend much time with all that often because she's a single mom with three kids invited me over. She's like, do you want to come over and watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. So I went. It was the excuse. Exactly. It was it – was, it, the thing – Matters far less than
1: the experience with the people. A, I'm finding that to be the case with being a person that's very hobby oriented Yeah. It's almost the case with every one of my hobbies now. Yeah. So I like to surf. Do Does it matter when I go out and how many waves I catch? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, Maybe I like to catch one. Sure. I love to fish. I love fish. Big yeah. fish nerd. And I don't care anymore about catching fish when I go out fishing. But definitely, if I'm going out with you, yeah, I want to see you catch fish sure sure there these are excuses yeah. these are excuses to 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 connect with other people, and they' are excuses to to really experience and learn from the other people that are around us that are pretty amazing, yeah, and um kind of realizing that more and more with almost everything I do, and so it's 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 but it's funny how our mind gets tricked into thinking about it one way, like okay now. If I'm going to catch a brook trout, I'm going to need to have a good fly rod. Right. I'm going to need to have some good tackle. I'm going to need to have great line, you know, to make sure the fish gets in and all this stuff. And I got to, well, I got to have felt bottoms on my boots so I don't slip on the rocks. I got to have a truck so I can bring all my equipment. Definitely have to have a $70,000 bass boat to get out there. Right. And you get, your mind gets tricked into all these other things about what this hobby is about. Yeah. And then when it comes down to it, it, you know, you know, my whole lifetime I've been fishing and I finally just realized, I'm just like, no, nope, nothing to do with catching fish. Sure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I've gone out on occasion now with like two lures. Yeah. You know? Rod and two lures. Yeah. You know? Or going out with my daughter, you know, and being like, no, nope, this is a one pole, her pole yeah. that we're bringing worms, hooks, and bobbers. Bar- yeah. yeah. And that's fishing. And... Doesn't matter if she gets hooked up into a tree. Doesn't matter if she gets a fish. Right. I just, you know. Yeah, it's the
0: doing, not the achieving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, um, going back to the whole kind of putting comedy down for a little bit to do art, um, the biggest thing that I, I think for me was when I started doing art in earnest and getting a reaction from people. Um, It was one of those things that, it it was, of all the creative ventures I've done in my life, it was the one that I got the most positive reaction from, but also I had to do the least amount of explaining. You know, basically, I don't know, because I feel like the way I look at creativity, be it making music, acting, writing... Painting you know dancing whatever is you're presenting this is how I see the world mm-hmm. uh, you're presenting the world through the prism of you to the rest the rest of the world yeah and you know it's it's making a connection with people mm-hmm. and it was one of the things that I found that I had to do like the least amount of any sort of explaining outside of it I could just present it without having to explain my motivation behind it. But also I got the most amount of, like I connected with the most people in a positive way of anything that I've done. Um, Not that everyone cares about every single piece of art that
1: I make, but it was was the hardest thing you did, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It has to always be the hardest thing in order to connect like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's how I kind of feel about music. Yeah. Music isn't easy for me mm. and It's not it's definitely something that drives about 50 percent of my thoughts during the day yeah <laughs> but it's not easy for me you know it's it's work it's yeah. always been work but it i've tried to put it down walk away and that's never gonna i've come to the conclusion that's never gonna happen again yeah and it's but it's i'm always doing the harder thing i'm never doing the thing that's expected like if i'm doing if i was doing the thing that was expected I'd still be playing funk music from, right you know, Brickhouse. Right. Uh, you know, being in a dance band. And, and not that we intended it to be like that, really. Um, Just kind of how it worked. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, it, we wanted to make blues and soul music, but right. we were just a bunch of white kids from New Hampshire. Right. You know? It's like, God, you, you, can't, you can't really... Uh, uh, you couldn't really get around it in the right. end. You really couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like... Man, I love Otis Redding. Like yeah. you know who sings Otis Redding really well? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's my my favorite singer of all times, but you know. I did he it's funny, I um
0: one of one of my favorite bands from the nineties, who's a very in my opinion, very underrated and completely misunderstood band, uh it's band Seven Mary Three. Um okay, yeah, yeah, I does uh a really great acoustic cover of that's how strong my love is. Ooh. Uh, it's it's, I mean, they're not together anymore either, mm-hmm. but I mean, they only broke up like six or seven years ago. And, wow. uh, um, but they kind of got pigeonholed into the like new grunge movement because of that song cumbersome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're much more of like an acoustic based band for the most part. But, uh, huh. that was, I was like, I was like, you know, I had, we were talking the other night after your gig outside about, uh, uh, the Dream A Little Dream soundtrack. And oh yeah. yeah. The first time I ever heard Otis It's the first time I had ever heard him, and first time yep. I had ever heard Into the Mystic. Um yep. uh, but uh I was like, Who is this guy? Who's this guy with this voice? Um it's just you know, and uh, you know, I love Marvin Gaye, I love Sam Cook, but as far as like soul and just like cut into the heart of emotion, like you you don't you can't beat Otis Redding and then you know mm-hmm. the the tragic story of, you know, dying so young and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, you know, who, who knows
1: if he was still around, what he'd be doing now, but. I have no idea. I have these adorable videos of him. There's some, there's some music videos that he had put out. Yeah. You know, in the sixties and uh, mid sixties. Uh, and there's one of him because he had a ranch, mm. you know, it had a ranch, I think in Georgia. And, uh, he uh he had horses okay uh, there was this whole side to him that other people didn't see yeah you know that he was really just kind of a country boy or like he viewed himself as one anyway and uh there's these great videos of him and there's something that i always connected with with him in those videos where he's very awkward he doesn't dance very well right you know he wasn't a great dancer and he's this big guy he's a big dude big guy and i'm just like you know and I'm just like, I just, I've always related with him in this yeah. way. In these videos, he's trying to dance and the other people are pointing right. at him. He's like, I know I can't dance. They right. want me to dance. And uh, he's riding a mule backwards. Like, <laughs> he's doing all this really goofy stuff. Nice. And it's just this really genuine thing. Sure. And at the same time, Sam Hill was probably smoking butts in a hotel room nailing a hooker. Right. You know what Man. I mean? And like, like, all right, who am I going to pick here? And that's not really what it comes down right. to. I love Sam Cook still. Yeah. I was okay. going to say, Sam Cook, you
0: you made a, a Freudian slip. You said Sam Hill. but uh, Oh, know. did I? Yeah. Oh, it's Sam also, Cooke. Sam Sorry. Hill will definitely be. In a hotel room, you know, banging hookers. No, no, no,
1: no. We get in far too much trouble for that. Yeah, no, and and that's not to say that we haven't at one point maybe some of us been in hotel rooms. Sure, uh, with the hookers, but sure. none of us. I have never seen any of us do anything to them. For the record, it was funny. Uh, the last gig um,
0: was on uh, it was on Russ's birthday. I, you know, I I saw you guys twice and. Less than a week, because I saw you on a Saturday night, and then I saw you on the following Friday. It was on Saturday night, it had been Cam's birthday, and yeah. then on Friday it was Russ's yeah. birthday. And you had made a joke about, you know, you wished him happy birthday from the stage and said he was getting
1: old. But I'm pretty sure Russ is actually the youngest guy. Yeah, that's the why we were saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, now Russ like, you know, Russ is, uh, as far as, I think, I think Jay and Cam would say this too, but Russ is on another musical planet. Sure. You know the rest of us. So you know the age really doesn't matter right he's he's amazing and um and and almost intimidating to play with for me so i've I've been practicing on the slide in between practices just to keep up well what's interesting is <laughs> but he's younger I've been paying
0: attention you know the the
1: two gigs
0: that I've seen you guys as a four piece uh noticing your guitar playing quite a bit um and you know it's just. I mean it's really impressive you're doing a lot of really interesting stuff and it's cool to have Russ in the band to kind of free you up to be able to to do that as well. I mean it's definitely it's it's opened the band's sound up quite a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um there's there's something going on in this I I think it I mean it has less to do with music and more about the fit. It it, it speaks to the fit of his personality with ours. And him feeling instantly... I mean, I've been friends with Russ for years. But, yeah. You know, him instantly feeling like a brotherhood with us. With all three, all of us. Yeah. You know, that that was very strange. But but because of that respect that's there, there's... You know, and I told him just... our Our whole thing with the whole band is... Anybody is allowed to write anything for... Our, or if you want to tell me how to do something... How to sing something, right. change the lyrics, sing it yourself. That's all on the table. Right. For everybody in the band. Yeah. And Russ like just was so easily it was so easy to talk to him because of that respect that that he I think he felt free to come up with ideas. He's written the songs for the new record, you know, and come up with the main ideas for those. Yeah. And he can generally drive things, but we can switch back and forth between I get. I guess lead playing. If I'm lead playing, yeah. I've never been a lead guitarist in my life. I've always yeah. been a rhythm guitar player, and um, so making up these new lines. There's a lot of. There's a lot of, when I hear this music, there's there's so many different parts that can happen, within them that that aren't necessarily in the songs, but there's but I keep them in mind when I'm playing them, and that I I've wanted to get out, and I just haven't been a good enough guitar player to get sure. them out. And I finally, now that I've, I've been, I've been playing a lot more actually over the last years. Yeah. Uh, the last few years um, by myself and and um, even with two bands and playing with different people and different styles of music, it got me a little bit better at stuff. Sure. No, it so, definitely shows. It so definitely shows. Um, I'm not, still not very good. I make, a, I clam a lot that like, in my mind I do, but you know, you're never good enough for yourself. Or are you? <laughs> And, uh, but you know, I'm actually able to do some of that stuff for sure. And we watched a video of the the show from the other night, the last night of practice. And I was like, that make Jesus. And I, I had to walk away cause I don't like looking at myself, sure. but, uh, but I, I could hear it, you know, yeah. where it was and I was like, eh, it's not bad. Yeah. No, it's, you know, I was, it's very shit. not bad. I've never said that in my life about my, my anything, my stuff
0: knows. Uh, I mean, you know i said to a couple people that were there a couple friends that were there i'm like i was like this band has definitely gone to another level uh as far as like musicianship in the last year um not to say that you guys were hacks before but it's yeah. just it's it's you know you guys are firing on all cylinders and it's it's really fucking cool to hear
1: Thanks, man. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that it's getting across to people. That was the thing is like, wow, if we're going to work on this stuff, because some of those songs, you know, they were they took two or three months to write. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they do because there's they're complex songs. They're complex songs. We're not doing it to be musically complex, but it, they feel it feels natural to us. And it has to be unique. It has to be a little bit different. And I don't want it again this is the whole thing i don't want it to subscribe to a genre I just yeah i don't and every time you know you have people that you have people out there that you know like heavy music or whatever this there's just there's all kinds of dick swinging going on and right. you know what what can what fucking metal is supposed to be you know and it's just like no it's supposed to be heavy metal like sabbath it's right. supposed to be anthrax it's right. supposed to be uh you know d r i you know it I don't know, you know, I'd kind of like to be a little bit all of them. And then maybe some fucking Bert Baccarat. Like, sure. Fucking mixed in with it too. And and st- by the way, you know, stick that right up your ass. <laughs> like, cause I don't give a fuck what you think of me, you know? So you got the hardcore guys that like, oh, I sing like a, you know, I sing like an opera singer or whatever. Right. Like I sing how I fucking sing. Right. Fucking deal with it. Right. Like that. Like you don't have to come. You don't have to, you don't have to like, I mean, you don't right. have to like me, right? You know, I, 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 really could give a shit. I've got something that I feel is challenging. Right. This is challenging the shit out of me because obviously it's making me play and, um, making me have to keep up with it. Yeah. And That's how I know I'm doing something right. If yeah. I'm trying to keep up with it, I'm doing right. Sure. You know, and then it's challenging you. Everything. I have to be. I have to be challenged all the time, and I, um, I don't know. I'm weird. <laughs> I don't think that's weird. I think that's.
0: I think any artist who's you know still doing relevant stuff for themselves has to keep challenging themselves. I think if you just get into a group that's comfortable for you, then you're stagnant. Well, sure.
1: I mean, well, that's what we got, right? I mean, we got a bunch of. We got. I, I see it a lot with musician friends at old bands. Mm-hmm. They keep getting together. We we just did a Brickhouse reunion thing, yeah. like in December, yeah. an acoustic Brickhouse thing, and stuff. in, you know, uh, but I mean, they, but they're just that's the only thing they do, right? You know, and then there's nothing new. There's no direction change. There's no, you know, well, what's the next thing? I, like that's what I love about Eric. Yeah, you know, like one of the things I love about him is that he he's done so many different things and he's always graduating and yeah. he's graduating to bigger things. Each time he's getting better at his instrument. Sure. Although I won't tell you that. Yeah. Fortunately, that, that freeway you know, UFOs record he put out last year is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And it's all like, you know, he's doing a lot of production work and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So, you know, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see somebody just doing the same thing and then telling me that I, I have to sound like one of my old bands, Right. In order to be relevant. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, 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 that, that's not what it, and actually, I don't really, you know, that's, that's when you're existing locally. Yeah. You know, when we go down to another state to play and then there's people like, wow, this is crap. Wow. You guys got shirts. blah. Right. blah. It's like, well, wow, this is wonderful. And, you know, it's not because that New Hampshire is a, a shitty place compared to Rhode Island. It's because there's not as many people up here that are our age. Right. That's all it is. It's all demographics. It's all statistics. It has nothing to do with what venues are available. Yeah. Has no. You can't throw a dollar amount at it as they, kind of, see with some of the establishments Right. It. Right. You know, you can't throw the dollar amount at it. It's it it's it's defined by having enough of those people around to to uh, make a subset of a population. Right. You know. So, uh, you know, I don't take it to heart, but you know, you, there's. There's a lot of music outside of New Hampshire. Sure. Whenever I see like any of the bands from around here or the younger punk bands, I try to keep in touch. I love I love local music. Yeah. I can't go to some of the shows because I'll look like an old fuck, but I <laughs> you know, but I love local music and seeing them go out of state and get out of this scene and go to the other scenes and then come back and the look in their eyes and they're like, there's stuff out there. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. No. Go fucking get it. Yeah. Get out of this state, you know. Play your shows. I love New Hampshire, you know. Not leaving anytime right. soon. But you know, if when you're in a band, you got to move. You got to move. And you got to fucking work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our bands like Shuttlecock, The Frosting. Like we we go down to New York all the time. We go up into Portland. We go all over the place into the Cape, yeah, uh, to Western Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. We play all those places, but and then come back home and we you know played audiences you know in in New York in the village. Yeah. And when there were clubs in the village um, and those people would be like thank you so much for coming to New York like yeah. make new fans so we come back to New Hampshire and play these shows be like we would play some bigger shows but uh, you know most of the time you just you know people haven't caught on to yeah. anything and there's no recognition of what you've done and yeah, where you're going so yeah. I don't know like that that's the thing i've seen there's like there's people like chelsea you know paylini getting out there you yeah. know like doing her tours and yeah. whatnot people skills working hard you know and gash that band have been kind of never them. them yeah they're a punk band Check them real, out. i think they're from dover but really nice um nice band you know notches they're getting out of this area they're going to different areas existing in them and it's I love seeing it. I wish I could go to their gigs, but I'm old. I literally
0: am. I, God, I feel that way about so many gigs uh, now, especially with like the punk and metal things when someone's like, you should come to the show. And I look at the flyer, and I'm like, there's six bands playing on there. And I'm like, oh, you guys are second to last. I'm just like, that means you guys aren't going on until 1130. Yeah, I'm old. Plus, you know, you feel weird being like... 15 years older than
1: everyone else at the, at the gig. Oh yeah. You might as well just have like a bag of root beer barrels and a van parked outside. With yeah. Like Hampton beach, airbrush unicorns on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. bubble window. Yeah. You, uh, there's, there's no getting around the image for me it's to make me go to some of these shows yeah. In some of the venues. And I, I wish I could get rid of it, but I don't want, I'm, you know, I should probably be home. Um, you know, taking care of my daughter and sure. making sure she's cool. Maybe we'll listen to some cool music together. You know, that might be a more relevant thing that I could be doing, but what I would really like to do is go to that show. I I don't remember what
0: gig it was, but I went to a show maybe two years ago up in Portland, but it was like a heavier, whatever. And I go in, give my ID and ticket and got the wristband on. They said, enjoy the show, sir.
1: And I yeah. Was like, oh God. Yeah.
0: There you go, sir. I was like, I'm, yeah. a- I'm officially old. If the yeah. person taking the tickets at the door calls me and they weren't being funny. It was just like,
1: Oh, look at yeah. this guy yeah. came onto a show. Yeah. Thanks. y'all, whippersnapper. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God.
0: I was like, all right, I guess that's, you know, a sign of the times. I keep now, staring I- up
1: at the red lady behind you. Oh yeah. Well, it's like Yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. She really is. Uh, and uh, it's funny, I talked to Josh about doing, because I've, you know, I wanted him to, I wanted to do a record cover. Yeah. About, impossibly about one of our songs, but he made up, like, there's a song called Coyote that's going to be on the new record. And it's, you know, for me, when I wrote the lyrics, you know, we have enough coyotes. Right. You heard the coyotes on the way in?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there's enough coyotes around here. So I'm like, okay, the pack leaves the old coyote behind. The old coyote finds a tree to die underneath, and uh, whatnot. That's it's in a that's the outer layer of the song, right? But so Josh is like, yeah. So he he incorporated in this uh, uh, part Native American culture for coyote, which is a trickster, right? And uh, that I didn't know, but he like put him under the tree and his tribe walking away from him, like covered in a coyote pelt yep. and whatnot. And like completely by him making that piece of art came into our music and changed the meaning of that song. Right. Right. And I, and it just blew me away. Yeah. I didn't image. think that he'd say, sure, I'll do that for you right. when I tried to commission the, the thing, but I was like, I, not only did he do that but he came in like a boss and yeah just, and brought brought just, his t- him, his own oh my gosh artistry into it i've just you know and, and it took me five years to ask him to do anything yeah you know because i was just awesome i've been awestruck aus- <laughs> by his work you know and i i am like that with a lot of artists yeah i love i love visual artists i can't it's not my you know i'm just an observer of them, yeah but i uh uh you know, there's people around here I can talk to, you know, sometimes. It's it's funny because being
0: someone – I consider myself a visual artist first and foremost. Most of the artistic people that I kind of get, like, the batteries recharged from, like, you know, have – like, you know, I mean, I get – I get creatively inspired by spending time with other creative people but more often than not the other creative people that I spend time with are musicians not other visual artists Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not even necessarily an on purpose thing it's just I know way more musicians than I know other artists and most other artists that I know are very solitary creatures and oh yeah because I've tried to like hey let's sit down and not even let's talk about art let's just you know talk and I mean some of my some of my biggest visually artistic heroes in the area it took a while to even like have a conversation with like um i don't know if you know hannah ellingwood or whatnot um she lives a little she lives up uh god i'm drawing a complete blank where she lives about an hour and a half away Mm -hmm. but we did a uh joint show in Newmarket last year but she does almost all paper cuts like Mm -hmm. layers of yeah like she does animals and we did like i would do my like broad brushstroke paintings and she would do paper cuts of animals and we used some of the same reference photos so it was like the same image but like we had known each other for a few years through like wrong brain stuff and whatnot but had like the first time I had her like I had her on my podcast before the show went up so that when when I put it up it was like to promote the show but when we sat down to podcast was the first time we had talked for more than like three sentences at a time. It was just one of those things. So it was kind of like a fun, like getting to know each other type <laughs> of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it was just, you know, yeah, I, I end up talking to musicians more than, you know, other artists, painters.
1: Well, you know, you know you, we talked, we were talking earlier about the uh, two islands, you know, about two islands of creativity that have been built. By that I think of, I, I think I hold visual artists and I think that in this, probably no, i'll get to this in a second but the uh but their their islands are taller they're harder to get right they're harder <laughs> to traverse you know uh, and i think that's because people people value visual art more than they value um, uh, sound or art or music or they, they take it. it in differently for sure well they they literally put a higher value on it, sure you know and uh to be a, a into a uh, Lowbrow forms such as you know rock and roll, <laughs> you know it's like, yeah, it's not looked at the same way for sure. You know? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I could kind of see that. Yeah, you know, in, in that way that in, in that way that things are with the way that looking at artists is, is is kind of hard to traverse those islands, and it's a little bit easier. The musician would be like, yeah, I'll talk to you, shit, yeah. I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. God, what do you got? Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's funny because
0: I very, very rarely will ever talk to someone about their actual process. Like, if it comes out in a conversation, cool, but it's not like I've never, like, really picked anyone's brain. I mean, like, most of the time, like, the musicians that, like, I've been lucky enough to, like, have on here who I have a huge amount of respect for, we don't talk about the whole process of making music. It's just more just, like, we just talk, you know yeah sure but i mean that's kind of how i am anyways if i like i don't really have like an ulterior motive uh when i start these it's just let's sit down and talk i mean you guys have you're you're on the cusp of recording a new record but you know that wasn't like i was just like it would be cool to sit down and talk to nate you know
1: yeah we're not really calculated about much of that as you can see by our 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 gigging schedule is kind of weird but the uh it's um it's everything is like is kind of a natural thing that happens. So if if I get an opportunity to have you over here, for you for for one to know where I live, so yeah, you come back, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if you feel comfortable for enough, for sure, uh, uh, I would love that. I I also really wanted you to do this and for you to come over for me to be able to express to you the way that I've I've been observing you and how how yeah. how wonderful I thought you were. And course, I just man. thought, and I thought, and to me, that was worth my time right there. Sure. You know, when the hell do I get to say that? Can I, can I say that to you over Facebook? Can I, can I write a post that says that so other people know that I feel that way about you, about if, that experience? If you want to, sure. Yeah. Like it's not going no, it to bother me. No, but I'm saying, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like, no, this is much better. This yeah. is a much better forum for that. Well, it's funny. You know, I start. Oh, is it going to, we're going to record it? Great. Yeah. You know. Well, it's funny.
0: <laughs> I, um. That's really so. I started this. I, I'm doing this series this year where I'm trying to do 365 portraits, and it's all um, like the one I did of you was part of it. Yeah. And it's, it was basically me because it's all people I know who are creative people, oh, and it okay. was. It's and it's kind of an extension of this podcast, but not necessarily because some of them are people I've talked to on here. Some of them are people who live in other countries on other continents that I may and never see face to face, but have had, you know, interactions with that inspire me. Sure. and it's sort of my like it's easier for me to do that as like a like thank you for what you do. Than to write a Facebook post or a letter, you know, it's sort of like I'm, my love letter to different artists that inspire
1: me. I've never heard anybody express it like that, and that's exactly how I've always felt about it. Hmm. And I feel about that. I feel that way about local musicians, yeah, as well. Like all the ones I got to see at the pub growing up, yeah. That that you know were throwing safety ropes to rochester and pulling me out yeah you know yeah. pulling me out not that rochester's I well at the time i needed to be pulled out of rochester yeah and those bands all did that for me but i feel that way like i want to go up to you know i did i you know i have over the years you know said things in the paper about tom coletta you know and being like I, that guy that was one of the guys that saved my life yeah you know yeah. 15 years old watching gandhi's lunchbox him jumping around like a crazy person right you know seeing um you know seeing zombie jamboree and the bruisers and all all the all the bands that like helped me get through my childhood i wish there was a way i could make some sort of tribute to them yeah i i I don't know and maybe i will but the way that you're going about that 365 well we'll see how i you know i'm on number 37 now we'll see you know i'll talk to you in december see how it (laughs) goes yeah exactly like november you're like can I, can I use your profile? <laughs> can you show, can you show me your penis? <laughs> no, no, like, I'm down to penises. <laughs> can I, like, yeah.
0: No, there's so enough people. I've been, uh, I've been uh, trying to get Tom on this podcast for, you know, basically since I started doing it, he was one of the, like, and he hasn't said no, but he's very like, you know, Tom's like, cause he, he was asking me what a podcast was. He's like, he had heard of him, but he had never oh, listened sure. to one. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's sitting down, it's conversation, but it's on the internet. He's like, oh, so it's like a radio show that nobody listens to. And I'm like, well, <laughs> not exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I was yeah. like, you know, I was like, you know, surprisingly, a lot of people listen to podcasts in general. You know,
1: I was, yeah, like, yeah. He's like, we'll see. So you know, well, tell me, tell we will do it up here or something like. Yeah, that, he's been up here to record before. Oh, nice. Well, right? I got. And we were doing Wallows, the skate punk band.
0: Oh, nice. And I, I know that me having uh, Derek Arshambo on, you know, six months ago, that gave me a lot of credibility with Tom as far as the pot And, you yeah. know, I've not known Tom 25 years. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it's I think the more people that he knows who he looks at as, like, doing, like, real things that I'm like, yeah, I've talked to this person. I'm, I'm sure eventually he'll be like, okay, I'll do it yeah so you know yeah. we'll see that'd be
1: great no and he can tell stories like nobody's He's business so many goddamn stories and i yeah. i used
0: to so i used to write uh for you remember rock bottom records kevin oh, guyers yep. he used to put out a bi-monthly magazine hi-fi oh yeah uh, I used, hi-fi magazine with the fluorescent color yeah yep. fluorescent covers and like these like yeah 1950s like kitsch uh photos on the cover. yeah i used to write reviews for that with tom so okay yeah yeah, yeah. that's how that's how i first met him years ago it's funny i Came across a cache of, like, five or six different issues of that a couple of years ago and read some of my reviews and, and they were, like, they're horrible. But, you know, I was <laughs> I was 21 years old when I was writing them, you know. But it yeah. was, you know, it's fun. Like, I was reviewing, like, Tools, Anima, uh, and Tori Amos, <laughs> Boys for Pele, and Ooh, stuff like that. Great yeah. record. Yeah. Tori, Tori, uh, Tori Amos. Right. Yeah. Um, it's funny because she was one of those artists that i was super into for a long time and i still like her first like four or five albums but her last couple records i heard them and i was like "Eh, i it just doesn't connect i mean it's like it's like game of thrones pop it's very like it's it's weird baroque pop and i I have have them and i haven't listened
1: to them yet that's how i i it's funny i actually when i was a teenager i was really in yeah and uh and obsessed with I, I got every CD single yeah you know and every I, I still have a lot of vinyl of it and yeah I got really into her yeah and then I got lost from it um, yeah probably just listening to other things or just switching you know I, I I'm, I've been amassing genres different genres of music yeah as I grow older and still switching and still finding new ones yeah so somewhere in that, you know, some of the albums get lost. Sure. You know, but there's the others, There's other things. And I find that there's an awful lot of nostalgia that goes along when, from those five or six years between when you're a teen and when you start, you know, you start to go to bars. Yeah. Yeah, like 15 to 22. It's any of those. And it's, and it's harder to take them out of that context and try to listen to their new thing. But being, you know, being a songwriter... I always listen to their new thing. I usually buy the record yeah, and then listen to it and go, oh, it's crap. I'll never listen to it again. <laughs> right. But like, I'm really I'm really happy when, like, for me, my, my thing is like, I like the new Morrissey records. Yeah. Okay. I know everybody hates it or whatever, or they don't like him or he's this or that or the other thing. I love all the new Morrissey records. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And I, the, I, the old ones are great. But I'm not. I wasn't emotionally attached to those when I was sure. a kid, and I like and the new ones. ones resonate with you. Yeah, and and that tells me that at least my radar's on. It, it's on in some way. It might sure. not. Be, <laughs> maybe they're not in good taste, the records, but I think they're fantastic. Well, I don't know. Like music, especially like
0: you know, talk about like giving up being cool. Like at this point, I'm like. Fuck it, like what you like. But I also, because, you know, when I, right before I went on my road trip, I put all my stuff in storage. And, you know, my friend and her 15 uh, year old son helped me load everything in. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're helping me put it into my storage unit. And her 15 year old kid is like, Are these all CDs? Like these boxes? Because, you know, it's, <laughs> like legitimately, it's like 40, 45 boxes of CDs. Yeah. And he was like, He's like, you know, you can you can get all these digitally and you don't have to cart these around. But there's something about the tangible thing that I like. Sure, um, yeah. But at the same time, there was like, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm like, ah, this just doesn't connect with me anymore. And a lot of it was, I like I vowed, I was going to get rid of a thousand CDs when I moved back just because I was like, inevitably when I move again, I want to have less stuff each time. And... So now I pick up a CD, like when I'm going through the collection, get yeah. rid of stuff. I'm like, is this something I actually like or I want to have it in my co- like I had it in my collection in the hopes that if someone looks through my collection, i will be like, oh, cool. He's got that record. I'm like, because if that's the reason I have it, get rid of it. Yeah, like yeah. If, it if it doesn't bring me joy listening to it, yeah. I don't need it in my collection. Oh, sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I you know I think my record cl- my vinyl collection is a little like like that in that you know when I first started collecting vinyl I was just like oh my god look a record right and now I'm like just just get it in there you right. know like all of Don Ho's favorite you sure know, hits and um you know many Tijuana Brass albums that I'd never listened to but I would just grab them you know yeah. and just because they were these objects and then I started getting good records yeah or like or discovering records I really liked and I really had an experience with both sides. Yeah. Yeah. that record, For sure. You know, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, I pull all of Y stuff out. Yeah. Now the record collection is completely different. Yeah. It's, and it's got a different level of value to it as well. It's funny with me for vinyl, just because it's
0: such a, it's such an interactive medium that you have to be engaged because yeah. every 22 minutes you got to get up and flip it around or whatnot. So yeah. it's like, you know, and it, it doesn't travel. It's, yeah, you're, you're making on purpose time to listen to music. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's pretty selective with me. Like there's very few things that I will buy new sight unseen on vinyl. I mean, for one, it's more expensive than, you know, yeah. a CD. And oh, secondly, sure. I'm like, it has to be an album that I'm going to, Spend time with in order for me to buy yeah. it on vinyl. Like, I, yeah. you know, there's very few bands that I actually buy on vinyl. And I have friends who sell, buy and sell, you know, rare records. And they're like, yeah. dude, I got this in. You're interested. And I'm like, I can't go down the rabbit hole with that artist because I'm such a completist that I'm like, yeah. if I, if I have. Oh, you don't have to get it all. Yeah. yeah. If I have, like, I, I'm weird. Like, I have a bunch of Madonna 12 inch singles because mm. I'm a big fan of madonna up to and including vogue and that's pretty much when i yeah, lost me too. interest yeah, we
1: listen to it all the time but i
0: don't i don't think i have other than true blue i don't think i have any of her albums on vinyl but i have no. a ton of 12 inch singles with like you know mm-hmm. like the extended mixes and yeah whatnot. dance remixes but i'm like first of all i can get all like i have most of the cds from that era and I'd, you know it's all recorded digitally so it doesn't really matter if you have it on vinyl but mm-hmm. secondly like if I start being a completist with like Madonna and Prince and all these artists, you know, and I have every Prince album on CD,
1: I'm like, I can't go back through and buy it all on vinyl. It's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely don't go back and buy things, I don't think. I don't, yeah. You know, my thing is the, the record player in our house has a specific purpose because it's in a specific room. Right. That you need to spend time in that room. That's downstairs. Here. Yeah. So, the record player um and the records that are played on it aren't necessarily bought for the same reasons that I would buy other music anyway. Yeah. All other music I want to listen to by myself. It's for me. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, if there's a party downstairs in, in here, yeah, anyways, and you throw on, you know, old Ventures records, people start having a good time. Sure. Uh, and I don't know what it is. You throw on an old CCR live record, yep. People start dancing. Sure. And I, and, but you know, I could play my iPod all night long and play probably the same songs, and people just wouldn't. Doesn't have the same effect. I, know what, I don't know I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so, so that kind of music for me is is I mean, and and there are albums that I've spent a significant portion of time listening to as well. Yeah. And you know, and I I like. I like um, so I like a lot of diverse types of music, but but you know I love listening to uh, soul music down there. I love listening to uh, like old Dwayne Eddy and yeah, uh, old old Ventures and um, <clears throat> but a lot of the more introspective records, you know, and or Elliott Smith or or uh, um, anything that has like. Uh, or like Father John Misty. Yeah, yeah. I was really into those records, man. Those those records are great. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But they they take some time to listen to. Sure, you know. And he's challenging people more and more every time he puts something out with that band. So, uh, so those records that are down there now have evolved over time to become things that I need to spend real time with. Yeah, you know. Also, they're in my office, so. I like to have a cup of coffee and put the record on sure. in the morning, and pretend that no no politics actually exists. <laughs> if, uh, it's the, the mid fifties, <laughs> right?
0: Well, you know, I can't think of a really a better way to kind of you know forget about
1: what's going on and you know putting on some old old records. Well, I mean, the base things are all still there, mentioned in all those old records. You right? Know, people are still falling in love. They're dying. They're, uh, you know, they're they're. Uh, they're rocking at certain points, you know, there's just some some all out fun happening. Yeah. Um and to me that's I don't know, that's really they're they're talking a lot about love. They talk a lot about human experience through love. And, yeah. And being lonely things and those are all still things that are way more important than anything that's happening in this this uh <laughs> whatever this place is we live in if it's a country it's a country if it's a business right it's, it's business it's... we're in a weird restructuring you know paradox but, right now well sure i mean and it's just all you know to me you know all all of that stuff you I mean, not to, to boil it all down to one thing but all of the politics all the all the we're seeing the warts on all of it now you know all the corruption. All the things that are influenced by money and, yeah. and things that are everything but love, you know, and not, and people owning the American public, you know, the American public having to work their asses off. Yeah. Uh, literally, their fingers to the bone in order to to make ends meet. And that's all because all that money is going to somebody very rich. yeah, And that's all just exposing itself now. That's always been there, but, you but know. But now we can all see it. Yeah, now we can all see it because, you know, the cost of living, you know, it, it's so high now. And uh the wages that are that are coming into the population aren't enough to keep up with it. And um and people don't people don't grow their own vegetables anymore, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, you know, it you they they don't value them. Uh, you know, people don't really value a dollar or two like they used to because they have so many dollars to spend just to, like, get their HBO, you know. Yeah. These are all very first world problems. Yeah. That, you know? <laughs> so it's a little bit silly to pay attention to, for me anyway, in any kind of detail. Yeah. Um, though I do, you know, and I read about it every day. Yeah. You know, and I, to just make sure that I have an inkling of when... You know, missiles flying overhead <laughs> and oh um, but uh it's not something I really take too seriously. Yeah. And I need a record in the morning that yeah. brings me back to something simple. Either that or like, you know, gosh, the hell would I do if I couldn't, you know, put on some exploited in the middle of the day and <laughs> fucking get a little angry Right, you know, that, that helps. Yeah, that for helps sure. Deal with it. You know, <laughs> but the the thing that helps me the most now is like we were talking about before with experiences. Yeah, is these um because of where we're at and our age and the things that we've seen and the, the these experiences that we've had you know overcoming fear and overcoming uh grief um, uh, they've really they, it really magnifies the experience of having a conversation with someone yeah and doing a thing with someone mm mm-hmm music is you know fishing surfing whatever and yeah. just the 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 ability to get together for any reason and talk with somebody and just have a conversation is so rare and yeah. i really value it yeah you know
0: well that's the whole it. that's that's actually why i started doing this podcast in the first place was uh or it was kind of an extension because i would just make on purpose time to spend time just talking to people. And then, and I know so many people that I value in my life that I was like, Oh, what if I record some of these conversations not to give us, you know, not to give the ultimate, this is who Nate is, or this is who someone is, but just give a snapshot of the connection. Do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, you know, that's a,
1: that's a. you're like, this is something I got so cool that you put that like that earlier. I value these relationships, yeah, these for creative sure. people, they inspire me. I feel like that all the time. And, and I don't know how to reach out, you know, like sometimes, you know, so, yeah. That's, yeah it. I think you're better at it than you think you are. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. But I don't know. I'm trying to improve. Sure. You know, I think, you am know, getting to finally see that it's time to improve, treat myself more healthy. Yeah. Know, <laughs> and stuff, try to treat myself more healthy, not beat myself up like myself wants me to do. Right. Sort of thing. Trust me, I understand
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, yeah. it's been awesome chatting with you. That's probably a good good point to uh, right. stop this. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd love to come back over and have some tea and just hang out sometime. This you are been great. always welcome, my friend. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're
1: welcome.